Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. From AccuWeather.com, this is Everything Under the Sun, our weekly podcast with in-depth stories and conversations about the weather and how it influences how we live, work, and play. I'm your host, meteorologist Dean DeVore, and with the help of friends and experts from AccuWeather and around the world, we try to give you useful information and knowledge that will help you get through your day. We're currently in our fall series, which is helping you try to get through the most of the autumn season. And this week, we're proud to highlight the results of the 2020 Weather Photographer of the Year contest from the Royal Meteorological Society in association with AccuWeather. While this past week seemed a little quieter here in the weather office than some of the more recent weeks, there are signs that there are some big ticket weather items to start coming down the pike back into play in the United States, especially out west. Rather than be worrying about tropical systems, we expect some impactful snow and ice events to be brewing up in the western half of the United States this weekend and even another one early next week. Expert senior meteorologist Dave Dombeck will join us in our final segment to outline those concerns. But our first raise of focus segments will go back to this past Saturday, October 17th, when our friends at Armets and us here at AccuWeather were proud to announce the winners of the judges' choices for weather photographer and student photographer of the year and which image had proven to be the favorite among the voting public. Friends, it's time to talk about everything under the sun. Here in 2020, the Royal Meteorological Society is celebrating its 170th anniversary. Armets is an organization which has the mission to engage, enthuse, and educate by promoting the understanding and application of weather and climate science for the benefit of all. And for the fifth time, they have sponsored a worldwide contest to find the Weather Photographer of the Year, the Student Weather Photographer of the Year, and open it up to the public to choose their favorites. And for the second time, in those five contests, it's has chosen to partner with us here at AccuWeather, and we certainly couldn't have been prouder. Happy to welcome back to the program the CEO of Armets, Dr. Liz Bentley, along with our own meteorologist and one of our European weather experts, Tyler Royce. They were both part of a very special day this past Saturday, October 17th, in order to culminate their anniversary celebration and announce the contest winners. Armets had a special weather live event. And Liz and Tyler join me now to talk about that and then go over the winning photographs from this year's contest. So before we get into the nuts and bolts of what we want to talk about today, I wanted to talk with uh, both Liz and Tyler about one situation. And that was this uh, news just a a week or so ago that the uh, Europeans were going to now really give out their data for free in terms of uh, the European model you know, in the past, it was uh, really a subscriber based and some of the information, unlike other models, which was freely accessible to the public, was uh, tightly controlled. 
Liz, I want to talk to you first and, and, and Tyler, too, because he deals so much with our international and especially uh, weather in Europe. That's to me seemed like significant news. Uh, someone who mostly forecasts in the United States. Uh, Dr. Bentley, your thoughts on that piece of news within the last couple of weeks? Yeah, a major step change. And I think something that has been discussed for, well, it feels like decades, if I'm honest, in, in the UK as well as across Europe, the business model is very different in uh, the meteorological kind of community. So, you know, organizations that produce NWP, numerical weather prediction, model data, would sell that on to their competitors, then they would obviously be able to, to make money out of it themselves. In the US, the model, the business model has always been very different than that. It's it's kind of an open data market. And so for us in Europe, we benefit from being able to get hold of the, the American mm-hmm. model data for free, right. but any other model. But, um, but there's been lots of discussion and it feels like it's been going on for a couple of decades about the fact that the the business model should change in Europe and change in the UK and it hasn't changed in the UK yet so you're right the ECMWF and the Copernicus data is now freely available and that's a, a huge step change but still the UK Met Office data hmm. is you know, is something that still we have to charge for. So it may come and the pressure may start to build right. on the UK market to to move in that direction as well. But a big step change for Europe, certainly. And Tyler, as someone who uses that kind of information, uh, all the model information, I think for me as a meteorologist, some of the, it was always hard to talk about the European model, but not be able to really show it at times, uh, the way the agreements worked. And, and maybe as a meteorologist trying to explain the weather, that's a big step in the right direction. I agree with you, Dean. I don't know how to put it into words, but it, it makes it easier in reality. I can show on social media the different scenarios that are out there instead of writing about it, but not really being able to show it to in a blog post or something that is more public and not behind a paywall because of the restrictions to it. Well, it's uh, something we'll certainly, uh, I think, see benefits of going future. It'll be interesting to see uh, whether uh, our friends there in uh, the United Kingdom get uh, on that same uh, boat too. So let's go back to this Saturday, special day. Uh, Liz, we started talking to you back in June when we uh, first kind of talked about for the second time AccuWeather's partnership with Armets in terms of the weather photography of the year. We had you back in August when the public voting uh, opened up. And here we are in October, just a few days after a, a special day this past Saturday, the 18th of October, when you got a lot of the meteorological community together, had a, some great presentations, including one from our own Tyler Royce here. And uh, just talk me through how special a day it was to get to the point where you were ready to announce the weather photographer of the year. Yeah, so we had our Weather Live event on Saturday and a virtual event this year. Normally, we'd run it as a face-to-face event. But I think having it virtually, we we jumped on the opportunity to, to reach out to a much wider audience than we normally would if we if we had a face-to-face event. And uh, I think that international flavor came out throughout the, the whole day, really. So, you know, we'd purposely chosen the timing of the event. So it was in UK time in the afternoon. So it would be possible for people in the US to join. I, I'm conscious it. I know, Tyler, you were getting up at some time in the, in the seven o'clock in the morning to join us, but it was in the realms of being able to kind of participate in, in the meeting. We were also using it. So this 
this year is our 170th anniversary. Right. We were founded right. in yeah, 1850. We yep. So we used the, the event to celebrate um, our 170th. We had big plans this year and again, those got cancelled. So we piggybacked that onto Weather Live. So I did a short presentation just taking a look back at the 170 years of the society. And then we had three presentations looking at, I guess, climate science and how that's kind of changed over that similar timeline, uh, that 170 years and kind of where that's going. Tyler did a fantastic presentation of kind of communication of weather forecasts and how weather forecasting has evolved over a similar kind of timeline. And then we had a, a final one that looked at uh, probably the focus was more on kind of attribution studies of climate change. So when we focus on extreme weather events, how many of those can we attribute to climate change? So a really interesting talk. And then the three speakers came back together. We had a really interesting panel discussion, some really fascinating questions from the audience on a, a complete range of things. But, you know, just thinking about, I guess, things we've learned from being able to communicate weather forecasts, can we use those to communicate climate change? So, you know, some really interesting discussion in, in the panel. And then we announced the winners of Weather Live, uh, of the Weather Photographer of the Year, sorry, at right. Weather Live. And that was a real, you know, we left that for the end to try and keep the audience kind of, you know, <laughs> on tender hooks. We kept talking about it during the afternoon. Right. We got uh, Brian from AccuWeather to come and announce the winners in reverse order. And uh, yeah, it was a, a really good celebration day. Sounded like it. Tyler, let's, uh, you know, AccuWeather, I think in terms of communicating the weather, that's been one of the tenants of our, our, our kind of our DNA of our company. So uh, you've uh, had a lot of folks that uh, help shape you on that. I don't want to talk a lot about this because I would like to do a whole segment with you on everything under the sun about it. And Liz, Absolutely. for those of you, this is a, a radio audio podcast. Liz is nodding yes. So, but just, just talk a little bit about some of the points you touched on and maybe follow up then with what Liz said, where, you know, people were chiming in and, you know, we have a perspective in the United States, but maybe you got some global perspective too. When I first was approached to do this talk, I went back to around the founding of the Royal Met Society and was looking at some historical data and I found that where we are today all comes from the electrical telegraph. That kind of was the the cornerstone that set off how we forecast and how we communicate it today. Because at that point was one of the first times we kind of knew in almost as much as instantaneous, which kind of is laughable now, thinking how yeah. instantaneous we are now. But think of the leaps and bounds, the having that instantaneous data to people uh, within uh, seconds, minutes versus days made a big difference, right? Absolutely. That it allowed weather observation networks to pop up. So it was, I believe it was in like 20, 25 years, you had over 500 weather observations in the United States. Once it finally started to get going in the UK, you had within the next couple of years, the first forecast ever being published in a newspaper in the Times over there. So once all these weather networks, observation networks, all got started going, you all of a sudden things started to rapidly, like a domino effect, fall into place. I would almost it's kind of like a good novel when you like just read the cover. I'd like to kind of unpack that more with Tyler. But Liz, I, I think that's that's an interesting point. You know, some of the best things in life come from competition. The uh, the United Kingdom, Great Britain has a proud tradition of meteorology. I think that built in the United States and right when all this was coming together. And so there was a competition and that kind of helped us all 
get better weather information more quickly and evolve more quickly. Would you agree? Yeah. And, and, and we talked about the, the different models and the availability of that data around the world. That that competition helps drive. I'm sure, you know, the ECMWF, the European models will want to be the best in the world and, and the Americans will want to be, you know, beat them and be the best in the world and the UK one. So that drives progress in, in you know, the, the improvements in the model, in how we communicate it, in the data we're collecting. So that compet- that competition, I think, is is very useful in, in you know, evolving and moving things forward. And, and I'm sure, Tyler, when you look back at the historical timeline, it was that competition that probably drove us forward on, on you know, on a number of occasions over the last kind of 150 years or so. Oh, absolutely. Especially when you get into the radio side and the television side of things. Well, the radio side of things is where I uh, subscribe, but I've been watching uh, television presentations since I was a kid. And just think of how they've evolved in 50 and 60 years. Uh, the amount of technology now that we're allowed to, not just allowed, but capable of passing on to show our listeners and our viewers and share the most uh, incredible information uh, almost in real time now. So yeah, that's why I kind of, it's laughable to think you think about the delay that the taking the time to type in the telegraph, you know, and now we get those things updated. You know, we're frustrated when we don't get a radar image every minute in a storm situation. But uh, and I think telephones, mobile phones, mm. you know, we walk around with a camera in our hands all the time and social sensor, media. Really, uh, some and, kind of yeah, sensor, exactly. Right? And mm-hmm. we were chatting, weren't we, Tyler? I think on, it yep. was one of the, the Q&A about, you know, apps that help us in, in meteorology to, you know, gather data. So, you know, using citizen science kind of, you know, using mass population to feed in information that you just wouldn't get from a kind of observational network. Mm. And we then have a communicating lot more, uh, out messages out to them via these mechanisms. We have a lot more cameras around now, like to yeah. get so we can actually see what it looks like. Not you know, sometimes you uh, you're you're at the mercy of a bad observation, uh, especially in the in the automated situation. So yeah, this is all good stuff. I'm really looking forward to go back and unpacking some of those presentations, and I am looking forward to talk with Tyler about weather communication and what's changed, how the monumental changes that we've seen. Friends, we're going to take a break here in our podcast. When we come back, we're going to break down uh, the amazing entries and winners of the 2020 Weather Photographer of the Year from the Royal Meteorological Society in conjunction with AccuWeather. Also talk about the Young Weather Photographer of the Year and the public favorite. You can go right now to the Royal Meteorological Society website. That's rmets.org, R-M-E-T-S.org. Go into the news section and there's an article about weather photography of the year. And then you can follow along with us as we talk about those amazing photographs that were winners. We'll do that after this. This is Everything Under the Sun from AccuWeather.com. Listen to Weather Insider every weekday for a discussion on trending weather news with me, Bernie Reno, and Evan Myers. You'll get detailed insight into major weather events and learn the why behind the weather. Just subscribe to Weather Insider on your favorite podcast platforms today. Welcome back to Everything Under the Sun. I'm your host, meteorologist Dean DeVore. This is our fifth episode in our fall series, and this week we highlight the results of the 2020 Weather Photographer of the Year contest from our friends at the Royal Meteorological Society in partnership with AccuWeather. Uh, Again, if you're just joining us, uh, we're getting ready to talk about the winners of that competition. And uh, if you want to, we encourage you right now, if you're able to, to go to the website rmets.org. And on the homepage there, you can find a link 
to the story about what came next after those uh, three presentations we talked about in the first segment, Tyler Roy's being one of them in terms of uh, weather communication over the years and how it's changed, and then other uh, situations that we talked about. But then it was time to get the uh, announcement from Dr. Liz Bentley and everybody else as we got ready to announce the Weather Photographer of the Year. So we had this great discussion and we were all excited. And then we come to the moment where we talk about who was going to be the weather photographer of the year. Uh, Let's just remind everybody that there was a group of judges, including our very own Jesse Farrell, who picked their weather photographer of the year and the the photograph that, uh, that accompanies that. There was then a public voting winner. And then there was also a a special category where we talked uh, and gave a a special nod to the young photographer of the year. I want to start with that one. And and if you see it, folks, if you go, the best place to look at this, maybe from our perspective, is AccuWeather.com and Jesse Farrell's blog. He lays it out real nicely. And the young weather photographer of the year is it's called Frozen Life. The description says both figuratively and literally, you can see a a summer leaf of green in this kind of frozen bit of uh, ice that looks it, it. If you look at it and you didn't know it was frozen, you would think it was fresh water and you'd get that immediate impact of when that leaf fell into the creek or a stream or wherever it is. But it's frozen in time. And that's. Uh, a really amazing situation there for the young weather photograph of the year. Yeah, that's right. So this was the 17 and under category. And this one stood out for me. You know, the title, as you say, is Frozen Life. It literally is. The the leaf is frozen in in water, but it's the contrast. So you've got these bubbles in the ice and on the kind of left hand side of the image, it catches the sunlight. So there's a a real contrast from left to right in the kind of the light that's being reflected off these bubbles. And then as you go further to the uh, to the right of the image, the light there's less light, there's less detail in the bubbles and it becomes a kind of darker image and then in the middle of that in that contrast from kind of light to dark you've got this green leaf that's just you know as I say frozen in time so it is it was one of those when you look from there were seven seven thousand seven hundred images that were you know sent into the competition there were certain images like this where you you stopped you 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 were kind of scrolling through these images this was one where you stopped and you just you just take a deep breath and kind of just admired. It was a beautiful, you know, th- there were lots of images in there that were very dramatic and very energetic. This was one of those that was just still and it, it made you want to just stop and, and relax and wonder. There were a few in the shortlist that were like that, but this was this was certainly one of those. The photographer's name, I'm going to try my Russian here, Kolesnik yes. Stephanie Segrevna. So a, a Russian entrance and well done on the pronunciation. I'm glad you did that and not me. Yeah. <laughs> no, a, a really fantastic image. And, and I gave a quote when we did the press release. It, it was one that just almost took your breath away. So a well-deserved winner for this category. Let's uh, go to the public's voting winner before we uh, kind of trying to build a little suspense ourselves here mm-hmm. in our podcast like we had last Saturday. So in addition to the judges voting, there was about 11,000 readers who voted uh, this year for their version of the Weather Photographer of the Year. And uh, after all those votes were tallied, uh, the winner is Alexi Trofimov. And this is a beautiful picture. It looks like the frozen tundra with snow. You can tell it's being blown about and it's been uh, uh, subject to incessant wind and cold. And then you can see the blue green glow of the ocean water frozen underneath those little snow caps. 
It could look like a refreshing summer drink, uh, but it's actually Mother Nature showing us how cold and how beautiful it is underneath that cold, right, Liz? Yeah, again, a very stunning image, a popular public vote winner. As you say, we had a a large number of people voting, but uh, this was uh, a really popular winner and uh, a a natural phenomena. So again, it's a part of the world where you have freezing taking place in, in the lake. These blocks of ice form. Obviously, we've got snow cover on here as well. It's a kind of combination of kind of sculptures happening because of the wind, because of the kind of melting and refreezing that takes place. We've got sunlight, obviously, which gives beautiful kind of contrast and shadows effect. I mean, it is, again, just a beautiful, it, the, the colour in the ice, if I can describe it, it's a it's a really vibrant turquoise. It's, turquoise, it's, yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. absolutely glorious. And you can see the sunlight coming through the ice. So there's a block near the front of the image. You can see the reflections or the diffraction of the sunlight um, on the on, on the, the snow, snow below I mean, it, it, yeah it is it, just yeah. you could sit and look yep. at this for hours there's yep. so and you much keep detail pointing out to here. me uh, things that i didn't see before this it, tyler this is a scenario we kind of see sometimes in the great lakes right where you know you have these blocks of frozen ice that kind of wash up closer to the shore at times and and then you know you get snow on top of it lake effect snow so uh, but i doubt uh, water from the great lakes might be that turquoise green i agree with you dean mayor <laughs> yeah. turquoise is uh, is is really well known in our country a southwestern part of the world does a lot of uh, turquoise and a lot of the uh, beautiful jewelry so that's the public voting winner there are uh, fact and jesse lists the top 10 uh public votes uh by rank and the one that I voted for, which was the uh, one with the uh, purplish Mamatis clouds, mm-hmm. uh, that was gorgeous. I love that one. And and I think I voted for that one because that's a scenario just uh, a week or so before I had a, a situation where I saw that kind of glow on some Mamatis here where I live in Pennsylvania. But, you know, you look at all these photos, Liz, and it's just so exciting to uh, think that, you know, people are are just able to capture what we sometimes get to take for granted and here we have these beautiful images in front of us to to make us remember what an amazing world we live in especially when it comes to weather and and nature yeah that's right and and again we, we talked about the public winning image the things of beauty the things that you can look at for for hours on end and each time you come back and you look at them you might spot something slightly different in the image that you hadn't seen before so yeah i'm envious really of, of people who are able to capture images like this and it's sometimes it's down to timing you know there's a certain time of day you get the light right sometimes it's down to a weather phenomena and if it's a rare weather phenomena you know you're really lucky to kind of capture those images but yeah to, to have them captured and then to share that through this competition it's been been a wonderful experience so we have one more to announce here and this would be uh, the weather photographer of the year and uh, the photograph comes from the photographer rudolph Sulgin, and I just clicked on his uh, his website. It's his name, Rudolf R U D O L F Sulgin S U L G A N dot com. This photograph goes back to a day I'd kind of like to forget. Actually, <laughs> it's a, a blizzard that occurred in 2018 in New York City. It was one of these spin up storms that just got cranking, uh, just really wound up. Um, And we're seeing this more and more along the eastern seaboard, Liz, where these uh, storms, whether it's tropical in nature or a nor'easter or these snowstorms, they just kind of 
really intensify rapidly. And this knocked New York City with a good blizzard of uh, several 10, 20 inches of snow. And this image is of folks walking across the Brooklyn Bridge. If you haven't done that, more than anything else, that's to me one of the amazing things to do if you visit New York City and they have the time and physically able, because it's just a beautiful amazing walk into the city from Brooklyn. It's, it's just, it's just amazing. And you pick out things, but in this walk, these folks are probably able to pick out maybe a foot in front of them. I mean, the snow looks like it's coming down sideways. It's that time when all you're doing is thinking about one foot in front of the other. All you can think about is where that warm, hot chocolate is at the end of this bridge. It's uh, it's an amazing photograph to capture something that many of us who are dealing with snow in the winter at times have dealt with. Yeah, beautiful. I mean, you know, an iconic bridge, obviously. So you kind of instantly know where where you are. Um, it was one of the shortlisted photos that had people in it. And that, you know, when we think about weather, it impacts on us and our lives and what we can do. And this was one of those images where, you know, you instantly knew it was a, you know, you can see the snow, but you can feel the cold. You can see the expression. There's a, uh, I think it's a lady just on the left of the image who's kind of, you know, got her back to the wind and, oh, yeah, you know, you can, face you can covering and stuff. Yeah. But do you notice who's not as, who looks actually a little more, even though we can't see their faces? Yeah. The kids, the kids, yeah. Do you see them? They're yeah. upright. They're 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 almost excited. It's like, oh my goodness, we're getting a blizzard. Everybody else, the adults in the room, are like, oh, here we go. Right. <laughs> oh so, yeah, again, and and again, it's lovely because you can you feel it. You feel the cold instantly. I think you know, I'm. I, it brought a shiver down my spine. You you know, you don't have to be there. You can feel it just in the image, and you can feel the the impact it's having on those people. As you say, in different ways, depending on whether you're young and probably excited by it, or or a little bit older and thinking, you know, I just want to get get inside and get out of the cold but yeah a beautiful image and and centered perfectly you know again you're looking down the bridge so you get that kind of real aspect kind of as you as the bridge disappears off in the distance and uh yeah wonderful so uh, a, a well-deserved winner and um yeah hopefully you get a chance to have a chat with rudolph and and find out his background behind the the you know taking of the image yeah, uh, Rudolph has been dealing with some health issues. And so uh, when that uh, gets uh, settled, we'll, we will have him on. I want to talk about that. Maybe relive that forecast. I, I wasn't necessarily a victory that day. <laughs> I think we were playing catch up with that storm. Uh, and just quick mentions of your runner up, uh, A Beautiful Misty Morning in Vietnam, Tea Hills by Ru Trung Huan. Uh, it's gorgeous. Uh, looks like uh, a beautiful morning that I would want to take part in in Vietnam there in that morning. Yeah. So in another one of those kind of tranquil settings, one that you might just want on your screensaver if you're just wanting to kind of de-stress well, looks, a little and there's bit. There's a comment so. there. It looks like a mic. It looks like a true something that somebody concocted as a Microsoft screen desktop saver. Yeah, that's like right. That. Absolutely. So you've got again, you've got the contrast of the green, the really rich vegetation in the kind of foreground, and then this kind of low lying mist. But you've got dips and valleys, and it just kind of disappears off into the distance. It is just just so peaceful. Again, low sun. So you've got beautiful shadows of some of the vegetation detail. I mean, it is just a spectacular, both from colours, from the kind of peaceful image, from the meteorology that's there, the calm, the tranquil, the, the you know, the low lying kind of mist and fog in the valleys. It, it is exquisite. And then the third, second runner up in third place, uh, uh, beautiful. It's called Monster and uh, Shelf Clouds. 
Europe gets severe thunderstorms as well. But as Jesse says, uh, the many amateur and professional storm chasers in Croatia, this monster shelf cloud was perhaps the most beautiful structure and size over my area. I was waiting for two hours for the cloud to arrive and then it made a real mess, I can imagine. It's funny how things that certain parts of the world like and, and I think we mentioned this in one of those first interviews where Jesse would take a look at one. Oh, we see that here in the United States a lot, you know, but in Croatia, oh my goodness. I mean, that shelf cloud, that probably is a once in a lifetime situation for some people. Yeah, that's right. And and one of those, you know, again, there were a few in the shortlist, very dramatic, the really kind of, you know, energetic, active part of, of meteorology. This was one of those as well that was done in a, a panoramic. So I'm not quite sure it was a full 360, but it certainly was one of those that was done on a panoramic setting on the camera so you really you get the full detail of this this shelf cloud so uh, again a, a stunning image but the dramatic side of, of meteorology Liz uh, I appreciate the, the time here today I appreciate uh, your time throughout this uh, I know you appreciated the partnership with AccuWeather yeah and absolutely and I think in a time when we've got the pandemic and everything going on it's been a, a really positive experience for us to share a bit of magic and a bit of uh, you know a bit of warmth and a distraction, I guess, from everything else that's going on in the world. So a huge thank you. It's been an absolute honour to work with you guys, uh, you know, AccuWeather, uh, whether it's been involved with people on the judging panel, with Tyler getting involved with the presentation we did when we involved the, the announcement at the weekend. But for the, the whole team there, really, it's been an absolute honour. So thank you very much. Well, for all of us from AccuWeather, thank you, Liz and Tyler. Uh, I know as our, we, we kind of kind of jokingly call him the European czar of our weather department at times. Uh, I know uh, your ability to work with this project has been uh, kind of rewarding for you, who spends a lot of your time in the forecast day in Europe. Yes, it has been. So it's been, it was a pleasure, Liz, for, to, to come on and to speak and to come with the American perspective. So as I, as I allude to in emails, I, I thank you guys for allowing us to speak. Yeah, and a really fascinating. So there's a new podcast for you guys. Oh, Just get Tyler uh, to repeat what he did on Saturday. It was absolutely <laughs> spot I'm definitely, on. I'm definitely all over that. Liz and Tyler, thank you for being with me today. Thank you. Again, if you'd like to check out those photographs in more detail, you can go to the Royal Meteorological website, rmets.org, R-M-E-T-S.org. You can check out our friend uh, Jesse Farrell on our AccuWeather.com page or his own Twitter, Weather Matrix is his Twitter handle, Weather Matrix. And he's got uh, the blog post with those uh, amazing photographs as well. Thanks to Liz and Tyler for spending time with us. Dave Dombeck is waiting in the wings to talk about this last full weekend of October, what the weather looks like, and how we look uh, heading into Halloween weekend as the week ahead looms. We've got the weather forecast and thoughts coming up on all of that and more coming up next on Everything Under the Sun. Whether you're at home getting ready for work, packing the kids' lunch, or commuting, listen to AccuWeather Daily. Subscribe on your favorite podcast platform, and you'll get the top trending weather story of the day every day. Welcome back to Everything Under the Sun. I'm meteorologist Dean DeVore. We are entering the final full calendar weekend of October. Next weekend, we change the clocks and we change the calendar uh, over the weekend itself from October to November. It's time here in our final segment to check out the weekend weather and then the weather for the week beyond. And there's some big stories to talk about. One of my friends is senior meteorologist Dave Dombeck. And Dave, um, this is an exciting time for many of us. I mean, there's a little melancholy, I think, that uh, summer's fleeting here in many places, although we've had some 
nice little warm-ups in parts of the Northeast on occasion. But then we have really big reminders that we're getting awfully close to winter, like this big reminder we're going to get over the weekend and into the early part uh, this next week with this big polar plunge of air out in the uh, plains and the Intermountain West. Uh, I know for you personally, this is kind of an exciting time. Dave's a, a hunter and a fisherman, very avid outdoorsman, if you didn't know that. You know, here in Pennsylvania, we're getting into the heart of hunting season. Small games really starting to pick up the things that are being hunted, working our way through bear and then towards deer season here in a few weeks. And so I know you've been spending a lot of time outdoors. The colors have been extremely amazing in the Northeast with some of these warm temperatures been beautiful out there in places. Oh, yeah. It's, it's just it's a gorgeous time of the year. Like you said, there's so much to do. There's late late season fishing. There's the hunting, you know, all all different variety from archery to uh, some areas have an early uh, muzzleloader season to, uh, you know, like I said, the small game. I mean, there, there's so many things going on. We've got college football now in the Big Ten yeah, actually Big starting. Back, didn't, right. Yeah. And, and you it. and I are involved in uh, figuring out if Penn State's going to be uh, dry or wet when they play in Bloomington, Indiana here this uh, weekend. Yeah, I mean, it, that's that's a that's a great, you know, it, it, it wasn't too long ago, you know, just turned back the, the calendar a little bit and it didn't even seem like football season was going to happen. So that's encouraging and just going outside and just enjoying the fresh air and, and the beauty. Obviously, the far northern parts of the country, you know, the foliage is is either waning or it's just about done in the far, you know, the northern New England, you know, your Adirondacks, places like that. It's, you know, it's working its way southward as it always does this time of the year. And it's just a great time. And it's a challenging time being forecasters, as you know, being meteorologists uh, in the transition uh, seasons. I always, you know, call these times in the in the fall and then again in the spring, the roller coaster ride, you know, where you've got the battle of the north, the battle of the south. And it's you could get like a whipsaw here with with well, temperatures. Let's look at that. Uh, let's look at a place like St. Louis that on Thursday was going to get into the mid 80s. That front's going to come through during the day on Friday. So they're in a situation they're probably falling from the 60s into the 40s for the day. And this is uh, another place like this uh, for Friday. Chicago is in that same situation. Roller coaster ride. Detroit will probably spike in the low 70s Friday and then start crashing down. It's a lot of cold air that's coming in. I mean, this is an Arctic blast that is really going to mean business 10, 20, 25 degree below average temperatures uh, invading as we go through the uh, Intermountain West and the, and the, and the plains this weekend. And it's going to stick around and cause some stormy action into the early part of next week. Pretty uh, right. I was going to say, not only do we have the cold, which is not unusual. I mean, it's, 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 it's actually a common thing to get, you know, you get this deep into fall now to get these shots of, you know, very impressive cold air that comes out of that come out of the Arctic. Uh, but on top of that, it's not just a dry, you know, a change to cold and dry, but, you know, we've actually got some true, <laughs> an early taste of winter over a good chunk of territory, uh, Dean, you know, basically going from uh, parts of the northern Rockies and uh, into the northern plains, uh, the Dakotas, all the way into Minnesota, uh, northern Wisconsin. We're talking accumulating snow for the first time this season. So not only do we have that situation over the weekend, we're looking at our storm map. We've got a storm max of 30 inches in parts of Montana. It looks like Montana and the Intermountain West uh, uh, Rockies there, uh, west of the plains, going to get hit hardest. Then that cold is going to even shift a little farther east. We're 20 to 40 degree below normal temperatures early part of next week. And then after the weekend snow, that snow and ice potential, Dave, 
shifts down to places like Amarillo, Kansas City, Colorado, parts of Oklahoma for Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. That's pretty incredible for this uh, time of the year. Yeah, that's the thing, you know, and, and, and you get these cold air masses. I always say, I mean, it's, it's just common sense and it's just basic meteorology. You know, you have two air masses, you have a warm air mass and a cold air mass. And that's so basic. That's actually one of the questions that we will ask our new, you know, some, some prospective, prospective uh, new employees, employees right? see here. See if I can pass that test. What's the question? Uh, well, you know, of two air masses, uh, which one is the boss? You know, the warm or the cold? Yeah. That should be a no-brainer. The cold <laughs> yeah. is the boss. Although, I'll tell you what, the warm has been trying to put up a fight at times here uh, in parts of the country. But you're right. The cold air is heavier, <laughs> and it's always the boss, right? It's it's, it's the boss. It sets the tone. And, you know, that's a good point, what you just made about the you know, the warm air wanting to hang on, certainly that's going to be the case, you know, into the weekend, you know, across the, you know, parts of the east, especially Saturday, you know, in the, in the northeast, the mid-Atlantic region, it'll, that will get suppressed somewhat uh, to the south at the second half of the weekend. But the southeastern states, the Gulf Coast, it's going to stay pretty warm. And that's somewhat due, at least indirectly due to Epsilon, right. Hurricane Epsilon out in the Atlantic, you know, it's out over the open waters and everything. But anytime you have a a, 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 a tropical storm or a hurricane on the playing field, on the weather map, what it tends to do is it tends to keep a, an upper level ridge pumped up a little bit more, a little longer. And what that does is it usually holds back the progress of cold fronts and thus the push of uh, chillier or colder air masses. And so it keeps the warmth or mild weather in place a little bit longer. If you're in the northeast of New England, you really have a pretty good weekend. There is a little backdoor cool front that's going to come in. So a mild Saturday, a chillier situation for New York, Boston, and, and those areas as we get into Sunday. We've got showery weather across the southeast, uh, the warm weather that you talked about over the weekend in the uh, western Gulf. And then, you know, St. Louis gets into chilly showers uh, after a dry day Saturday, Sunday. That uh, massive cold and snow and yuck in the West. And then we stay parched out West. The only thing we don't really have is wind, which is a good situation there, but uh, still dry. Nothing precipitation wise all the way up and down the, the West Coast over to Phoenix. And it doesn't look like that's going to change all that much. Anything is going to go into the northern parts of that area with the uh, Pacific Northwest getting the storms. And then they're going to ride over the top, it seems into the northern plains and the and the rockies here over the next week or so right yeah to get the you really have to change that pattern uh, to get any significant you know wetness and any kind of precipitation into those areas in california and you know in the southwest it, it, that type of a flow pattern that we're in and, and we will be in for a while that just is not really conducive to much in the way of rain in, there, in that area which they 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 badly need so uh dave big 10 football on the map finally uh, as we get the opening weekend we've been watching uh, penn state and indiana for saturday late afternoon uh, we've been talking about that looks like mid 50s not a bad way for the nittany lions to open up with the hoosiers of indiana mid 50s bit of a breeze out of the northeast not a bad day Yes, all eyes will be on Halloween night in Happy Valley for a crowdless whiteout. <laughs> I don't know how yeah, we're going to do that. That, on, that is going to be strange. That is yes. just, like, I, I, I'm sure even more so you, Dean, yeah. given, given, you know, Score your position there being a beaver state. I just can't. Right. I can't fathom it. It's like I can't wrap my brain around it. <laughs> well, I'm trying. I'm going to try to get in a football mood more this weekend. But uh, 
going to spend some time outdoors with the nice leaves is keeping this nice uh, weather as long as we can here in the Northeast. Dave, thanks for joining me today. You bet. Always my pleasure and uh, anytime. Well, if you'd like to weatherproof your weekend and the week beyond, make sure that you check out our newly redesigned AccuWeather app. It's uh, been winning all kinds of accolades, including our recent praise from an article in golf.com and other sections too. So check it out. You can go minute by minute. You can see uh, the rain situation over the next couple of hours. If it's raining in your neck of the woods, maybe snowing, as we said, parts of the uh, western part of the country. But that's certainly, you can do that. And you can also keep uh, up to date on all the great weather stories on our website, AccuWeather.com. Our Twitter feeds, AccuWeather and Breaking Weather, are both done by AccuWeather. Our AccuWeather Facebook page and our AccuWeather Network and our great series of partners around the world. Folks, uh, we have great folks that work behind the scenes here at AccuWeather. Thanks to all of our great team members who work so hard to keep you informed about the weather. Coming up in the coming weeks, we're going to talk about getting your pets ready for that change from fall to winter. We talked about gardening a little bit over the past weeks. We'll also be talking about automotive concerns as you get ready to face the onslaught of snow, sleet, and ice and salt on the roads coming up. Those are all subjects we'll talk about in the next coming weeks. If you have a subject you'd like to hear about or have a comment or a question, you can email us at accuweather.podcast at accuweather.com. Again, accuweather.podcast at accuweather.com. For executive producers Ken Prell and Andrew Robb, and for all of us at AccuWeather, I'm meteorologist Dean DeVore. Thanks for joining us here on Episode 5 in our fall series for Everything Under the Sun. Thanks again to Liz, Tyler, and Dave. And we'll talk to you next week with Episode 6 of our fall series on Everything Under the Sun. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.